welcome to episode 116 of Board Game Blitz, a proud member of the Dice Tower Network and a podcast about all things board games that you can listen to in less time than it takes to figure out why that door seemingly closed all by itself. Board Game Blitz is sponsored by Gray Fox Games. This week, we're talking about spooky games. First, we discuss a couple games we've played recently, like The Curious Elevator of Mr. Hinks and Blinks. Then, we talk about some of our favorite scary and spooky board games, along with what mechanisms can bring a bit of horror to your tabletop. And now, here are your hosts, Ambie and Crystal. Recently, I got a review copy of The Curious Elevator of Mr. Hinks, which is a escape room type game published by Bluefish Games and designed by Ace and Anna Ellett. The, the theme of this game is there's an inventor named Stephen P. Hinks, and he made a bunch of puzzles for you. And he's putting you on a weird elevator that takes you to different floors and you have to solve a puzzle at each floor to continue. And then if you finish, you get to put your name on the Hall of Fame list, which is online. So the Escape Room style game, it uses the internet, but the only internet it uses is this website that's like a web app and you put in codes for the answers to the puzzles. And so it's mostly like physical puzzles, but then that web app has some clues to it and you don't have to Google anything like with some other escape room type games. There's also no timer, so you just keep going until you finish. So it's more like a puzzle game, I guess. I played it by myself. I started playing with Toby, but he stopped partway through because a lot of the puzzles are word puzzles. So it had a similar feeling to exit games, but with word answers instead of numbers. So most of the puzzles were, whereas in exit games, like a lot of the puzzles are numeric things here it was like word puzzles it sounds but looks like something that would be up my alley yeah yeah <laughs> so it took about two hours total i think i i really liked it so in the curious elevator of mr hinks there's lots of puzzles and each puzzle had multiple steps in it and multiple aha moments which i like a lot and the puzzles were all very different they're not all just like like they're not like crossword type puzzles. You don't have to know a lot of words. Um, it's most more about like the letters and stuff. And there were a lot of different puzzles that I'm not going to spoil. <laughs> also, for each puzzle, there were multiple ways to get to realize what you need to do. Like there are some visual clues uh, that show which items are for which puzzles or like underlining important pieces or something. So like if you didn't see one way, you might have seen another way and figured it out that way, which I think was really cool. Uh, there were a lot of physical items that were pretty neat. Uh, mostly like paper and card items and the game is replayable um, mostly so you might want to write on some items but if you don't write on any of the items which is doable pretty easily (laughs) you could just write on like a notepad then then you can replay it there's one item that is uh, destroyed in quotes (laughs) it's not really destroyed but they give you two replacement items for that destroyed item so you can oh, cool. uh, play it again twice or well, you, you you won't be playing it again but you can give it to someone else to play again and that i guess twice so um i i really liked it what toby didn't like is that like the puzzles are word puzzles and at the end for the solution step there's some anagrams which which both of us have problems with <laughs> but <laughs> but we, we uh, I, I might have used like some amogram solvers online if I got stuck. <laughs> also, on uh, the website for the Curious Elevator of Mr. Hinks, it's either like named after Mr. Hinks or something or Bluefish Games. I forget what the website is, but it tells you at the uh, the box tells you what the website is. There's there's a really good hint system 
like the first hint tells you which items you need to solve it because there's a bunch of items in the box and you get everything all at once. So you need to figure out which puzzle, which items go with which puzzles. So that's the first hint. And then there's a bunch of sequential hit, hints that go step by step. So they only give you a little bit of hint at a time. So you don't have to like spoil everything at once with the hints, which is really nice. Yeah. So an- another thing is because it's like the theme is you're, you're in an elevator, the, the curious elevator of Mr. Hinks. It's you're going solving f- puzzles on each floor one at a time. So it's a linear thing. But because they have multiple parts to the puzzles, more than one person can be working on it at a time. So it's not just like a solo game. I'm not sure how many people it would be good with since I just played it by myself, but it, it could be multiple people working at a time, I think. And I, I really liked that you don't need Google and it, the website was cool because it had like animation of, of the guy, Mr. Hinks, and then the elevator and it had, had stuff that you click on, which was cool. <laughs> um, it's kind of like a app integration, but it's a web app. Yeah, so you can get the Curious Elevator of Mr. Hinks on their website. They also have a game called The Curious Stairs of Mr. Hinks, which is a prequel to the elevator because the stairs comes before the elevator. (laughs) And and they also have a monthly subscription newspaper puzzle called the Hinks Gazette. So they also sent me review copies of a couple of those. I think they're like $7 each or something, but it's basically a one-page newspaper, double-sided, and they have multiple puzzles within it that have solutions that give hints for a final puzzle that's a word solution that you enter on their site. So it's a lot more word puzzles too. So you would probably like that too. And in the articles, there's also like lots of funny articles on the newspapers. So it's fun to read. I think like each of those took maybe like 30 minutes to an hour of playtime. And I did those solo as well. So, but those ones are not as replayable. Like I needed to mark up the newspaper or like do things to the newspaper that made it not replayable. So that would be a one-time, more like a mini word exit game if you want to do the Hinks Gazette. So that was the Curious Elevator of Mr. Hinks made by Bluefish Games. And they also have the Hinks Gazette, which is a subscription puzzle. This time of year, when I hear like it's kind of spooky times and I hear the word elevator, all I can think of is that Saturday Night Live skit with David S. Pumpkins. Like <laughs> Tom Hanks is David S. Pumpkins. If you, uh, Ambie, I, you have to look sure this I... up. Okay, you will have to look this up. It is the most ridiculous Saturday Night Live skit, but it, it's like, it's one of those ones that's so dumb. It's funny. <laughs> well, we didn't plan it this way, Ambie, but the two games we're, we're reviewing today, they rhyme. So you were playing The Curious Elevator of Mr. Hinks, and I am going to be talking about Blinks. <laughs> so Blinks is not just a game, but a game system. And it is unlike any other board game system that I've ever played before. It is made up of a bunch of plastic electronic tiles that are about the thickness of like maybe a double stuff Oreo and they're hexagon in shape and they're white. And so they've, they've got a little bit of heft to them, but they're reasonably small. And each tile has a game that is programmed into it. But what's neat about these tiles is you can connect them together. They're magnetic. You connect the tiles together and one tile can teach the other tiles it is connected to the game that is stored in its computer, basically. So each tile has a game on it. So um, right now I have a total of 14 blinks. So that means I have at least 14 games. 
that are made up of all these little tiles. And when I say at least 14, that's because there's at least a couple of tiles where the specific things programmed into it can kind of be used to play multiple games. So like there's a widget one that has a D6, a spinner, and a coin flip mechanism, and they have games associated with those things, but that's all on a single tile. So the way blinks work, you turn them on by pressing the top of the tile. The top is covered in kind of a rubbery silicone material, so it's flexible but still sturdy, and you can press it like a button. And you can press it for certain amounts of time or multiple times in a row to get it to do different things. So you can turn it on, you can set it into like programming mode, which will help teach the other tiles, or you can turn it off. Or during the course of the games, you use different amounts of clicks, like two taps will do a thing or a long, like holding the button for three seconds might do something. The games are a lot better than I thought they might be. And that's not like, I don't want that to come off like a bad thing. But I think when you see a product like this, you assume it might just be a gimmick, you know, like, oh, it's some really cool tech, but the games associated with it might just be so-so. And that's honestly not the case here. I was quite blown away with at least a few of them. And I, I haven't gotten to dig into all of them completely. But just to give you an idea, the games that you can play with this system liken to things like a puzzle, like literally you're moving pieces around to match up matching sides, shuffleboard, like a dexterity flicking game, skull, the kind of uh, deduction game, the social, it's social deduction, I guess, where people have the coasters and you're trying to get people to bet on how many they can flip over or in this case tap without finding a bad one. There's a game that's like whack-a-mole. There's a game that's kind of like table tennis or pong there's an abstract strategy game for two players that is so good. And also I'm so horrible at it. <laughs> <laughs> there are just like, it's such a wide variety. Puzzle games, dexterity games, real time games, speed games, bluffing games. Like all of these things are contained in just this one little game system. And there's actually one that's not even a game at all. It's just called Zen Flow. And it just like displays cool colored lights on the tops of all of these pieces. <laughs> and I really like it. I showed it to my friend Kathy and uh, she really liked it as well. So because these pieces are electronic and they light up and the course of doing all of these games, there are some requirements. Like you have to be kind of in the right level of lighting. Like the lighting can't be too bright. I don't actually, I think you could probably take it as dark as you wanted, but obviously at a certain point, it'd be hard to see anything but the little tiles themselves. Uh, it does look really cool in low light though. And we played with like kind of just like medium-ish light and it worked out well. Uh, the colors are fairly easy to distinguish from one another on the tiles themselves. And they have specifically programmed in features to make the games colorblind accessible. So even if a game utilizes like red and green, they have um, like one of the colors will like flash and the other will stay steady. So that way people can still differentiate even if they have colorblindness issues. So they've been really thoughtful in how they've designed these. Honestly, it's really hard for me to convey how cool this game system is without showing it, which obviously we are an audio podcast. I cannot show you what I am talking about, but I did actually show it off in the most recent episode of Dice Tower Tonight. So if you want to see me showing off the Blinks system, you can search for Dice Tower Tonight on YouTube and take a look at the most recent episode where you will get to see me actually showing it off a little bit. 
So Blinks has run a couple of different Kickstarters in the past, and just this Tuesday, like two days ago from the date this episode releases, they um, have launched a new Kickstarter for some expansion games. I The games that I have aren't even all of the games that they already make, and they're releasing some new ones as part of this Kickstarter. You can pick up like a pack of six Blinks, or you can kind of double up and go for like 12 or even more. They are not super cheap. I will state that it is... The, these are not like it's an it's definitely a luxury board game product but if you are somebody who had seen these in the past maybe when they were on kickstarter before and you kind of were like me and you were like i mean this looks really cool and i like gimmicks but like is it just a gimmick no it's not these games are great i'm honestly gonna put both like all 14 tiles into my quiver and now i have a whole ton of different games and also the table presence is super great because the tiles light up. So I think when you bring this out, people are going to be wowed by it. And so it's great games and also it just looks cool. <laughs> and I won't lie. I like being that person that pulls out the game that like people are like, oh my gosh, what is that? That's so neat. So I'm really, really enjoying the Blink system. I've gotten to play more of the games I haven't played every single game that they have because I only have 14 of the tiles, but I am hoping to pick up some more in the near future because I really, really love them. So, and Blinks did send me the this as a review copy. And so I want to thank them for that. And I'm, I'm so happy. Like, I honestly was scared that I wouldn't like it. And I love it so, so, so much. So... Yeah, if you're, if you're somebody who's got a little bit of extra money to burn here at the end of the year and you want a really cool and unique board game product, Blinks is something you should most definitely check out. That, yeah, that sounds really cool. Do you know how like the durability feels? Like they I feel, haven't had it long enough to... <laughs> right. No, they feel very durable. Like when we were playing the shuffleboard game, like where you have to flick them, mm -hmm. like yeah. one of them like fell off the table and like did not seem at all affected by that. Oh, so cool. there, yeah, the plastic is definitely not like thin or cheap. And I think that they recognize that like they wouldn't have created like dexterity yeah. games if... <laughs> And the batteries are also replaceable in the, the things themselves. It is They do use cell batteries, which I know some people are not keen on. But the and I, I cannot remember what the battery life is, but it's a long time. Like, these are not going to die soon after you get them. Um, mm -hmm. And even if you, like, forget to turn them off, after 10 minutes of no activity, they turn off on their own to help preserve oh. battery life. So they've really been very thoughtful about how they created these. And it's, it shows, like, all the way across the product. That's cool. Yeah. All right, Ambie, I remember, I think our very first year of the podcast, we specifically did a Halloween themed episode where we talked about, you know, some scary and spooky games, but we haven't really touched on that subject much since then. Yeah. Well, actually, I think even the first episode, it wasn't really spooky games. It was more like spooky music. We talked about music. Oh, yeah. Theme. Yeah, like immersive, I think. I honestly, that that was four years ago now, <laughs> yeah. so I don't remember. <laughs> but we definitely, there are quite a few scary and spooky games that Ambie mm -hmm. and I enjoy. And so we wanted to share some of our favorites with you all and also discuss a little bit about how board games are able to even create scary, spooky, or tension-filled moments when they don't have some of the same tools available to them as like a medium like video games does, for instance. Yeah. So I personally don't like horror <laughs> in like movies and, and video games. I get too scared. So I haven't, and 
that that feeling doesn't get as scary in board games or books for me. So, um, but but when I thought of like scary games, the first one that came to mind was Nyctophobia because I, I play that once and you're blindfolded if you're not the um, the killer player. So Nyctophobia is a one versus many game where the many people are trying to run away from this axe murderer or vampire or something, depending on which version you have. And you're blindfolded and you're feeling around the board to figure out what is next to your pawn. So it's scary because you can't see what's going on and you don't know where the the bad person is. <laughs> Taking yeah. away a sense is mm -hmm. a really good way to, I think, ramp up the tension in a game. And not a lot of yeah. board games do that. Yeah. <laughs> I can't think of other ones that really do. I know you get you get blindfolded in When I Dream, but in theory, yeah. but like, that was I mean, not like scary. <laughs> no, that's just you're, and really you could close your eyes for that one. But I feel like Nyctophobia yeah. with the blindfolds, it's more it's more than just closing your eyes. It's it's, it's really it's like, really dark. Yeah, yeah, like removing all of your sight. Yeah, because when you just close your eyes, like the room light still, you can tell there's light. Yeah, um, if the room light is on. Yeah, so that that was the game that I thought of. <laughs> That's like the the Halloweeny game <laughs> for sure. For I think you've you've touched on something important is that like utilizing the senses in general is a mm -hmm. good way to create unique moments that work well in like scary games mm -hmm. or like suspenseful games. And I think a good example of that is Mord M. Arosa which mm -hmm. technically isn't really scary per se, but like it kind of creates that tension when you're dropping the cubes into the hotel and everyone mm -hmm. leans in to listen to the cubes falling. Like, yeah. it's interesting because that game for all, I mean, it's about people who got murdered and you're trying to solve the murder. It doesn't really feel spooky per se, but it does have that little bit of tension because mm -hmm. of those moments when you have to listen so carefully. Yeah, and there aren't that many games that use sound as a mechanism, but I think like Stop Thief, the at least the Restoration Games one, uses an app with you listening to footprints of the thief that you're trying to find, which is also is not a scary game and I haven't played it, but <laughs> but you'd be like listening intently to it. And so I could see if you wanted to make a scary game having something with where you have to listen intently to something and then like having something scary happen <laughs> would be affecting I mean, that being scary. <laughs> Atmosphere does exactly that. Oh gosh. Like, and I don't, it's funny. I actually don't want to describe all of the things that Atmosphere <laughs> does because it's, it's not spoilers per se, but if you've never played Atmosphere and you ever mm -hmm. get the chance to, I don't want to ruin some of the moments in it for you, mm -hmm. but it is a, it has a VHS tape, although there's also a version of it on YouTube, so you don't have to have the VHS. <laughs> and it's not just the tape itself that causes those jump scare moments, but like mm -hmm. this is a game with actual jump scares in it, both from the video and from the other players, because oh, wow. the players are picking up time cards throughout the course of the game that have specific times printed on them and a specific action printed on them. And you're watching the time tick down on the video and at specific moments, players will be instructed to do something. Oh and, my gosh. and obviously I don't want to mention what those things are again, because <laughs> I don't want to spoil those moments for people who haven't played it. 
but it is like legitimate jump scares, like the kind you get like in no other board games. Um, wow. Yeah, and it's pretty awesome. I don't think I want to play this now because I don't like jump scares. <laughs> no, like I've I've seen a whole room full of people literally like butts out of their chairs, like oh because. Gosh. And it's all, but it's it's neat because it's those really quick ones. Like it's not, uh, you know, it doesn't last or anything like that. Yeah, okay, that's good. Yeah, another game that uses sound to its benefit in that regard is Escape the Curse of the Temple, which comes mm-hmm. with a CD and has yeah. like thematic music playing in the background. And then th- during the game, a thing goes off and everybody has to rush back to like the temple entrance. And the music is getting more and more like fast and scary. And so it's definitely like, oh my gosh, I know, I can't figure that. Like that, like that moment of, oh my gosh, I'm going to get trapped in here. Yeah. And then the door slams at the end or like, yeah. <laughs> That's funny. That's a good but, moment. But oh, I did have a jump scare once in, in a game that doesn't, it's not known for having jump scares, I guess, but, <laughs> but I was playing Fury of Dracula. My one play of Fury of Dracula, the Dracula player, player was very good at immersing us in, in the game. So he was teaching us. And so... He was being very Dracula-like, <laughs> like role-playing kind of. And then I, my character found him. And then like when he revealed that he was there where I found him, I was like, I don't remember how the mechanisms work, but like I was like, okay, is he here or something? And then he he just did this evil laugh just very suddenly. He's like, ah! <laughs> He's like, you found me. And I, I literally jumped out of my seat <laughs> when that happened. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> so, yeah that was that was great <laughs> so i i think we've definitely determined sound is a great way <laughs> yes. but it's 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 a difficult thing to incorporate into games mm-hmm. i think yeah and then like role-playing games would help because if oh, people because with, with fear of dracula it was only because the dracula player was like role-playing it normally the game mechanisms don't have that <laughs> so but but with role-playing games it would get more into the role-playing of it for so. sure. And people being in character in general, mm-hmm. yeah. I think, can really, yeah, help with that for sure. So what what are some other types of games that you think kind of fit into, like, this category of scary or spooky or something mm-hmm. that, you know, causes, like, tension? So for tension, what you mentioned, Escape the Curse of the Temple, that's a real-time game. So real-time creates tension. Uh, I don't know if there are that many that have scary themes, though, but... But they're definitely very, very tension filled. For sure. Yeah, it's it's interesting. Like, does tension in and of itself make something scary? And I think the answer mm-hmm. is definitely no, but it can. Yeah. Because I think that, I mean, that's why, I mean, I don't like horror movies either. But that's mm-hmm. generally, I believe, why people like horror movies is because there's that buildup of st- like a little bit of stress and tension mm-hmm. and then the eventual release and... I believe that's why people like horror movies. (laughs) Um, I, yeah, I'm not a huge fan, but I do enjoy small, like that feeling sometimes in some like ways. This Mm -hmm. is technically a little bit off topic, but Ambie, you and I have both been playing the video game Among Mm -hmm. Us recently. Yeah. Which board board gamers have kind of like the whole internet, it seems like, have picked this yeah. game up and just run with it. And it's a social deduction game where you're on a spaceship and 
up to 10 people are on the ship and a certain number of them are imposters trying to kill off the rest. And the tension of both being a good guy and being a bad guy in that game is great. And I think video games have an advantage here because they are able to utilize more of the senses. They're able to utilize, you know, graphics and sounds and lots of other things to create that tension. But I have found that like murdering people in that game is actually a really good (laughs) stress reliever. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, I think with video games, they have the real time just like always in there. So yeah. so it's easier to do the tension. Whereas with board games, it's tough to make it be real time because then that's like the whole thing and be, having to manipulate everything on the board is hard. Because with other social deduction games, like a real time social deduction board game that doesn't seem like it would work. Well, no, because that's, it doesn't, One Night Ultimate Werewolf has a timer. That's true. But like, like you, it's not you the have same to decide. Way. Like you're you're like going around in Among Us, you're going around and like killing people. It's like a hidden movement. There's just so much stuff in yeah. there with the real time. Whereas like normally social detection games there there's not like the other stuff in there as well. Right. Yeah, it's it, I think a board game with that many aspects yeah, in that, it would probably much. become too complex. Yeah. And there's obviously also board games that just kind of have spooky themes attached to them that you'll hear on any list of games that are good to play for Halloween. Things like Betrayal at House on the Hill, which is a classic, Um, the Arkham and Eldritch Horror games, Mm -hmm. Dead of Winter, I think would be a good one that would fit here. Mm -hmm. You know, actually, the Arkham and Eldritch Horror ones are interesting, and there are other games that use the same thing, but like those games tend to have mechanisms in them. Ooh, and Mansions of Madness as well. Where, and obviously there's some sensitivity issues regarding this topic, but like there is the ability typically for players to go insane in those games. Mm -hmm. And again, I'm, I'm speaking about this only within the game's mechanisms and not whether that topic is an appropriate one um, necessarily, because I think there are some issues that are problematic regarding how mentally ill people are referred to in board games but i do think that the mechanisms surrounding insanity do a good job of creating stress and tension in some of these scary games because you start questioning the things that you know to be true and i think that's like the crux of a lot of different horror things like in the movie it's oh like what somebody's inside the house now and so, like, in, a, in one of these games, when somebody pulls one of those cards, you're like, well, wait, are they on my side? Or are they, are, they, mm-hmm. are they working against us? Or are they for us? You know, those moments. I think that mechanism tends to be a good way to incorporate those types of moments, too. Yeah. And I guess the Hidden Trader with Dead of Winter does that. In other games with Hidden Traders, it's like, you don't know whether to trust people. And Dead of Winter does that pretty well because everyone has these weird objectives. And they're, like, being all shifty. Right. And in Dead of Winter, also, I believe if you deal out the cards the way the game tells you to, there is a chance that there isn't a traitor. So it is that whole, you don't know. I mean, even in Battlestar Galactica, you know at the end there's a traitor, but in the first Mm -hmm. half of the game, you don't actually know for sure that there's a Cylon amongst you. And so that doubt, that doubt and the suspicion helps kind of create some of those moments. Mm Mm-hmm. I've actually, I've referred to this probably years ago, and I haven't mentioned it in a long time, but Dead of Winter also does another really interesting thing. I used to refer to the bite or the whatever the the die is in Dead of Winter as one of the scariest things in board games, because when you roll that die, there's a single side on it. I think it's a D8 or D10. 
I don't remember. D12? No. Maybe 12. I th- it's got a decent number of sides. It's not a D6. <laughs> yeah. Um, I and think it's one, 12, maybe. Maybe. And one side is instant death for your character. Mm-hmm. So every time you roll that die, that's tension right there. Like when yeah. you know that you could just get bitten by a zombie and die right now, <laughs> that die always scared me to roll. And I haven't played Dead of Winter in a long time, but now I kind of want to. Yeah, I haven't played in so long. <laughs> so yeah, I think there are a lot of interesting ways that board games can incorporate these feelings of dread and spookiness. Mm-hmm. But I honestly think that there's a lot to explore here. I think that there is a lot of space that hasn't been explored in as far as like spooky mm-hmm. and scary board games. And especially now as game designers are more inclined to incorporate electronic or app-based yeah. things in their games. I think there's a lot of room for stuff like that to come around. And I really, I love horror themed board games i won't do video games but i will do board games so i'm excited to see what theoretically might come in the future although once it gets more appy and like video games it'll get too scary i think i think it's okay for me as long as i'm not fully immersed that's when i really like like i can't play vr horror games at all (laughs) yeah if y'all if no you know what if y'all want the the most hilarious live stream ever is we should we should convince me to play like a scary game on vr because y'all i will scream the whole time i won't watch it because i'll get scared (laughs) and that's it for this week's board game blitz visit our website boardgameblitz.com for video and blog content as well as to get links to all our social media pages this episode was sponsored by gray fox games for the month of october gray fox is giving you treats instead of tricks Get 20% off your order of all non-exclusive items at grayfoxgames.com with the promo code SPOOKYBGB. You should also head over to Kickstarter to check out Campaign Trail 2nd Edition, which is a reprint of the base game along with the new Green Party expansion. Gray Fox Games, quality games cleverly crafted. Support our show and get cool perks for as little as $1 a month by visiting patreon.com slash boardgamebliss. As a patron, you'll get access to pre-edit recordings and our private Slack channel where you can chat with us and the other Blitz tiers every day. Our theme song was composed by Andrew Morrow. Technical support provided by Kobe Mount. Board Game Blitz is part of the Dice Tower Network. Until next time, when there's something boxed, ship to your door. What you gonna play? New board games! Bye, everyone! Bye! First, we discuss a couple games we've played recently, like The Curious Elevator of Dumb... Oops. First, we discuss... (laughs) Take it. (laughs) Yeah. <laughs>